Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with Monkey Tennis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yup, absolutely. Yup, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Dan! Monkey tennis? Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. No. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmonds is a total wazzard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. I said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hello, friends, and welcome once again to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Tea or coffee? Tea or coffee? Nick Alder. What beautiful earrings. If they dangle, finger them. And Tom Stab. You've never had a cup of beans. So, yes, welcome to Monkey Tennis. As you will know, we are working our way through all of Alan Partridge's output, book, TV, film, etc. Uh, but we also like to start each series with a roundup of your feedback. People often get in touch with us, Partridge pedants and fops, fans of Partridge. Um, get in contact through Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at the Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod, email the Partridge Pod at gmail.com, or leave a voice note on our WhatsApp channel 0793 600 is the hotline number. So thanks to the many of you that have done that, so many of you, in fact, that we're now in part two of our two part feedback episode special starting with a little bit of Richard Hammond coming through the medium of Mr Tom Dark. Thanks Adam and thanks to Nick Strouder for sending this email in. Nick writes, hi guys I've noticed Richard Hammond has started cropping up in places as one of Alan's friends. In the podcast 
Calm Down Big Boy, as well as in the Stratagem show, where he was mentioned to be standing on a box. I thought that this was just a typical C-slash-D-list friend, but then I found this article about an alleged bust-up between Steve and Hammond at the GQ Awards in 2017. Could this new friendship be Steve's way of getting back at Hammond, particularly as there's always a quip about his height? It may be that the more friendly Alan is with someone, the more Steve doesn't get on with him in real life. Keep up the mediocre work. Best wishes, Dr Nick. Um, I mean, I I think this is the sort of thing we've referenced quite a lot over the years that I think you definitely get a Coogan yes, Partridge no, and vice versa. So yeah, I think people that Coogan probably isn't a huge fan of in real life will be deemed as kind of affiliates and friends of Partridge in the APU. So yeah, I would think that's probably on the money with what's going on there. Uh, We've had a piece of correspondence from Russ Appleby, and this is a kind of accidental Partridge in the news. This was taken from uh, The Independent, and uh, the headline reads, uh, China switches on artificial sun that is five times hotter than the real thing. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking how and why. And uh, the news is that researchers hope that nuclear fusion could uh, help with clean energy into the future. So um, hopefully that's cleaned that up for you. It's hotter than the sun. Yeah, surely they can solve that by just putting an apple pie in the microwave from McDonald's. So just, just do that. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think. Green or watch. Michael Miller has written in and he says uh, there's a nice little bit of partridge in the wild in Meet the Richardsons. Not only do we get to see Simon Greenall's uncanny voice work, can you see voice work? Um, But we also get a monkey tennis reference in series three, episodes six and seven. Lovely stuff. Um, Moving on to Playground Urban Myths. You'll remember on previous pod we were talking about uh, those sort of playground celebrity rumours you would get and that each generation, the names changed, but the story stayed the same in terms of people putting hamsters up their bum or, you know, having an autopsy and they find loads of uh, semen inside them. These sort of pleasant, uh, pleasant moments. So uh, a couple of people have got in touch about this. James Coughlin got in touch saying, Dear Monkey Tennisers, re-urban playground myths mark almond spunk richard gear hamsters uh, so yeah those are the uh, the names that were floating around in james Cochran's uh, school days see also marianne faithful mars bar led zeppelin red snapper incident turn off safe search and don't forget to clear browser history uh, thanks <laughs> thanks very much james very scared to uh, pursue that any further but uh, appreciate you getting in touch I think um, that that definitely chimes of what we talked about. Like those, are, I think those are all the familiar iterations of those kind of playground urban myths that we we've heard. Um, I mean, I guess put it open. Anybody got any more? But I feel like those are those are the key ones. Those that, are the uh, headline, everybody. Those are the headline acts. Yeah, the other one that's just popped into mind was uh, Lumley plastic anus. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, isn't isn't there? Um, there's, I'm pretty sure there's or, one about Debbie McGee and the. And a, mm. a, well, yeah, I don't want to say. I, I do you know to what? Remember. Do you know I what? haven't heard either I, I, of these. You know what? I'm, in, I'm enjoying this, even though we're just listing controversies. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember either a playground rumor or it being reported in the news that Joanna Lumley did so much cocaine at her bum that her <laughs> anus basically dissolved, and they had to put a fake one in. I mean, this this is very much feels like it needs an allegedly at the end of it, doesn't it? Yeah, allegedly. And also, please, if you are going to check this out, listeners, turn off safe search and don't forget to clear browser history. Cannot stress that enough. Tom, Tom, Tom Dark, they're responsible for starting the next segment, but just choosing to take a few moments to imagine the image of Joanna Lumley's plastic anus. I've, I've genuinely, I've never heard that as a play. I've never heard that before. So that, that's, I'm looking it up now. So, live research. So Tom has found a more niche version of this, perhaps. I mean, the only one, the only other one that sprung to mind is, 
I think, uh, is it Michael Jackson having a rib removed so he could uh, fellate himself, I think was a common one. I definitely heard that with other people. Prince and Michael Jackson, I think, heard the same. And Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom, any updates on the plastic bomb before we move on? Let's move on. Okay, we're moving on. I've just realised I'm on my dad's computer. (laughs) (laughs) Turn safe search back on. Um, Okay, so what we're going to talk about now is uh, Partridge uh, slash Coogan Impressionist. Now, a few people have sent us links to uh, this chap on Twitter. So yeah, this is a guy called Terry Minot, and um, looks like it's something he's been doing for quite a while now, is doing these uh, kind of Coogan Partridge impressions. Um, So a particular one that was highlighted with us was Alan Partridge sides with the brilliant press on rail strikes. So uh, let's have a listen to this and... uh, I guess, dear listeners, let us know what uh, what you think. Is this a good impression? This is a love letter to all them top-line news pundits that are really sticking it to them stupid union bosses that are, that are trying to get their members paid. Um, because effectively, what this rail strike is, is doing now, if you look at Britain uh, as a way of a baby, uh, the baby, happy, laughing, probably just been fed by way of breast milk, uh, into the court, if you will, uh, the square of public opinion. Uh, and all of a sudden, the madman's turned up with a cutthroat razor and he's just cut its throat out of nowhere. And the baby's cried for its mother, but it's made it worse because it's thrown its neck back and the, the blood is just gushing out. Blood being hope. Uh, if anything, it should have just leant forward, put pressure on the wound and waited for a paramedic or any trained medical personnel. Talking about miners, remember them idiots trying to get money for their families. And uh... okay, t- uh, yeah. So Terry Minot, there. Uh, what, what do you guys think of that? Good uh, or so bad? My big review is that obviously the writing has suffered from not being official Partridge <laughs> writing. Um, I think he's got a lot of the mannerisms down, but I think he's played Partridge as about thirty percent more northern than than Partridge yeah. actually is. I'd, 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 I'd agree with that. I mean, I think some of the vocal ticks are really bang on. And I think there is, you can take shortest, like 10, 20 second segments. I think you'd struggle to tell the difference if you're yeah. just listening. Less is more, yep. basically, Terry. Yep. And I think you'd have smashed that. There we go, Terry. Uh, t- t- take that on board. Less yeah. is more. Um, James Hart um, has uh, shared something equally interesting and... Um, he says that this is a compilation that came up in my YouTube feed. I spotted a headphone swap continuity error for Tim Key. Uh, I wonder if they took a break to work out who doesn't like a newborn baby. Um, so essentially, this is a, a continuity error where uh, Tim Key goes from wearing um, one set of headphones to another. But the kind of striking thing is that they aren't similar looking headphones. They look completely different. So you kind of wonder either whoever was looking after continuity on set or how the you know um members of the cast wouldn't pick up on something like this you can see it for yourself it's on youtube so i think if you just search alan's funniest bits um from series one of mid-morning matters uh, i think baby cow have posted it it's at the seven minute 55 mark and uh, yeah it's one of those things that once you see it uh, it it's something you won't be able to unsee and it is pretty bad to be honest I'm kind of amazed that this is a sort of thing that we haven't noticed before, considering we're quite keen to point out continuity errors when we do spot them, because, yeah, the headphones are totally different and it literally changes from shot to shot. It's, it's mad. Uh, it's time now for a semi-regular feature, and that is Nick's Mindless Moments. <laughs> we should, we really should get a sponsor who... for that. I think we should get a sponsor for that. <laughs> 
Dettol, Whiskers? Uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you want to go for? Well, I will work with the most toxic brands. So uh, <laughs> anyone, frankly, anyone. The difference is audible. Yeah, uh, yeah some kind, uh, maybe Shell. Yeah. Okay, so it's uh, now time for a, a semi-regular feature, which is Nick's mindless moments in association with Shell. Perhaps <laughs> it's time to take a fresh look at Shell. Uh, John Ratton, who is our Facebook top fan, apparently, um, got in touch about the Splatball Flyer, um, where Nick went briefly mindless. He says, love you guys. Haven't heard Nick go as briefly mindless as this since his review of the Cheeky Monkey section on Kimki Wap. Um, <laughs> I don't know if any listeners have got any uh, other of Nick's mindless moments. Obviously, there is the uh, world-famous first Nick's mindless moment where he thought a leg was a pint <laughs> of beer um, or milk because I don't know it had hair on it anyway um, <laughs> lovely so, pint mug wasn't it Nick yeah yeah I, lovely pint I, I, I wonder if, I, what I like is that there's enough that you could legitimately <laughs> compile a top five at this point uh, so I would yeah, throw yeah, yeah. I would throw in as well pronouncing it Gene Michael Jar was another <laughs> oh, that's, good. that's a good one yeah 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 if there are any long term listeners who want to make a uh, super edit of Nick's mindless moment moments uh, we would be very grateful because uh well i mean we can't be bothered to do it so uh, maybe you can um <laughs> Uh, so moving on to bouncing back and a very important prop uh, Mark Green got in touch and said hi I hope you're all splendid and tremendous we are thank you Mark uh, he said just listen to the Anglian Lives episode and you asked about the prop books of bouncing back and whether any exist in 2014 the Granby pub in Manchester held an Alan Partridge quiz me and a few friends got a team together and went along there were various themed rounds draw a chalk penis on your own back which we've also replicated on this podcast series one uh, a dedicated Michael round mid-morning matters Alpha Papa and various others a good time was had by all and it didn't turn into an all-night rave. The organisers had provided lots of Alan ephemera for the contestants. We all got a ladyboy drink on entry. There was an apology letter signed by Lynn explaining her <laughs> non-attendance. She was busy with Alan's tax returns. And there were paper Alan masks for us to stage an elaborate bank robbery if we wished. After the event, which we won, non-humble brag, there was an auction for a copy of Bouncing Back. This had been donated and signed by Armando Inucci. We were allowed to have a look, and unsurprisingly, it was just a random book that was thick enough for the dust jacket. The back of the book has a blurb, but disappointingly, it was just Lorem Epsom, so just placeholder text. The book sold for £200. I couldn't afford anywhere near it, but the winner allows me to have a picture with it where I unsuccessfully attempted to recreate the cover stance. <laughs> I've attached the picture as evidence. I'm sure we'll whack this on our social media. The prizes we won were a bottle of Blue Nun, fungal foot powder, chocolate orange with a damaged box, a CD of the best of Fleetwood Mac, a t-shirt stating I'm not driving a mini metro, a signed photo of Anthea Turner, she described it lovely butter, and a signed <laughs> copy of iPartridge. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, a great that's level brilliant. of detail, uh, especially the, the Anthea Turner uh, photo as well. Well done, Mark. Thanks for getting in touch. And then uh, Mark got in touch uh, a little bit later. He'd actually found the uh, letter from Lynn, uh, which I can read in full for you now. He uh, sent us a photo of this. So this is on a headed paper from uh, A.G. Partridge at Futures Business Centre, Lord House, Norwich. And it's got the uh, the uh, Alan Crest in the top right corner. Again, sh- should probably pop this on the socials along with uh, Mark replicating the cover stance. Um, so Lynn writes, Good evening, pubgoers. It is with great sadness that Alan P and Lynn B are unable to attend this event, the Alan Partridge Big Bounced Back Pub Quiz and Disco Extravaganza. I, for one, am very sorry about it. Because I know Mr Partridge's marvellous talent with words and ideas would have flowed all night and he would have showered you with his enormous depth of trivia knowledge. 
I'm afraid I could have come, but Alan was unable to pay for my travelling expenses, which is absolutely fine, as I would have had to change buses five or six times to keep the cost down. <laughs> and the journey would have taken me 15 hours. <laughs> Alan felt that this would be too much for me, as the next day I had to be up at 5am to start sorting out his taxes. I'm trying to learn how to drive, and I'm attempting my first test in two weeks' time. Fingers and all my toes cross. Anyway, Alan wants me to pass on to you, his fans, his aha, and he asks you specifically not to cheat and that the game in itself can remain good-natured because things can get nasty. All the best, Lindy. Uh, Now, I just wanted to point out an important distinction. This has obviously been written by fans and is not part of the official Partridge canon, but um, it did lead me to wonder if people might draw similar conclusions about our letter from Sue Cook pulling out of our Alpha Pepper live special, which I can 100% confirm was a letter signed off by Sue Cook herself. We did speak to Sue and make sure that that wording was correctly sanctioned. So... Just wanted to draw a parallel there. So there's been some uh, debate on Twitter. When hasn't there been? But this is in regards to who shouted Partridge, you wanker, in I'm Alan Partridge. Proxy Moron um, believes that for him, every day of the week, uh, it's Peg that says uh, the uh, word wanker. Um, and the proof that he has provided is in the form of a big train clip. And it's the new office manager scene for those familiar with big train um, so please go have a listen. Oh no, not that oh, guy! No, that, that guy, guy is, is a wanker. wanker. There you go. How could you think otherwise? Basically, on the strength I think what, of that what alone. We, I think what we'll do here. Let's drop in the clip of Partridge Wanker in the Farmers episode from I'm Alan Partridge, and let's drop in a clip of the big train. That guy's a wanker sketch, and uh, then the listeners can uh, draw their own conclusions and let us know what they think. Oh, try pedestrianising this. Okay, can you hold that pose now, Alan? Um, everyone, can I have your attention, please, just for a moment? Thank you very much for your patience. Um, I think you know what this is about. The office manager. The decision has been reached, and it is Tom Henderson. No oh, way! I cannot believe it. The guy is a wanker. Also, regular Instagram followers of Simon Pegg will know that he's uh, he's an advocate of the uh, often and plentiful. Uh, instagram live so and often fields questions so if anybody catches one of those and wants to inundate him with did you shout partridge you wanker in i'm out of partridge then finally we can get to the bottom of this from the peg's mouth himself great that's a great idea and staying with uh, i'm alan partridge series one michael gillette is this the best feedback a man can get? Um, he has he's noted that we You're pleased with that, spoken. weren't you? You're pleased with that. <laughs> yeah, really pleased with that. We have previously spoken about whether Sally Phillips was corpsing or fake laughing in uh, series one of I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, Michael says that he stupidly bought in that it was legit, meaning um, that, that Sally Phillips was actually laughing. But in a Guardian article, Guardian interview, Sally Phillips uh, is quoted saying that she gave herself a headache from doing fake laughter on Alan Partridge. So um, I guess the uh, the kind of like bunching of the shoulders and the sort of uh, break, what seemed to be her breaking character and corpsing um, was indeed uh, just fake laughter, basically. I believe there's also a quote in that article that she's annoyed that so many people think that she couldn't act and that it was genuine <laughs> laughter. It's uh, become point. a bit of a bugbear of hers over the years. Well, there we go. Case closed on, on that one. 
Uh, next up, a missive from Andy Vittles. He says, Afternoon, gents. I love the podcast and have been an AP fan since 1994. My claim to fame is that my previous house in Yeovil overlooked Yeovil Aerodrome, Westlands Helicopters Airfield, and I once managed to capture on video an Apache helicopter hovering over the aerodrome, firing blanks from its machine guns. The British Army's version was manufactured there for many years in the 90s under licence. In that one short video, it had the Holy Trinity, Yeovil Aerodrome, reference to Apache, and imitation killing and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a, vid- a video for Michael to be proud of. Well done, Andy. <laughs> oh, what, what a lovely message. Uh, okay, guys, it's time to talk about runtimes. So we were discussing on our previous series, uh, how long would it take to watch, listen, read? Well, I guess not read because that would have a variable speed. How long it would take to listen to and watch all of the Partridge output that exists? And equally, how long would it take to listen to all the Monkey Tennis output that exists? So Lewis Thomas has got in touch with the following. Uh, Lewis writes, I was listening to the latest episode of your podcast and saw you discussing the total length of all Alan material. By chance, I was trying to work the same thing out myself. And the answer I ended up with is that the total length of all Partridge material uh, i.e. including comic relief, talk show appearances, in-character interviews, etc., is about 3,848 minutes, or about 64 hours. Uh, it should be noted, I just rounded the times to the nearest minute for some of the shorter stuff, and the nearest half an hour for the TV series, but hopefully it should average out. Uh, I've included the list of material I use below. Hopefully I didn't miss anything, but I'll be honest, I didn't spend too much time on it. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a little addendum to this, which is I've condensed, basically... I think the next day he then sent a follow-up email saying, oh, I missed these bits. So I think he did spend a bit of time on it. But um, yeah, there's a whole list here of everything from 1991 up to uh, Stratagem in 2022. So yeah, that that's our definitive answer there, 64 hours. But I know what you're thinking. How long would it take to listen to All of Monkey Tennis? Well, James Tovell has been in touch with this answer. James writes, I'm sure someone has already beaten me to it. Uh, Spoiler, they hadn't. Uh, but attached are my calculations <laughs> for the total Monkey Tennis podcast runtime, including up to episode 132, but not the revisited apps. I think that's only fair. James, that is fair. That's fine. Uh, I might have a look at the Alan output at some point, but I probably won't bother. Don't need to bother. That's been done. Thanks for all the quality. Hashtag AGP, hashtag content. And the calculation that James has reached here is it's 110 hours, 51 minutes and 34 seconds up to and including episode 132. So that is just the 4.6 days to listen to all of Monkey Tennis. And of course, that doesn't include the most recent run of episodes. Take a week off. Grab a Scott Jagan enjoy yourself <laughs> so uh the total runtime of alan is roughly 2.6 days that 3800 or whatever it is so oh great so we, point, we are basically two, we are exactly doubling yeah pretty much so yeah lovely 2.6 days to watch all of alan 4.6 days to listen to all of monkey tennis um staggering that, like a, that is uh, staggering that's a, that sounds like a bank holiday, what you're doing, who's with you. I'm sitting down, listening to all of Monkey Tennis and working out how long it is in terms of days. And, and then taking off an extra day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> quick question, but the, the, I guess the key question is, if you are going to sit down and listen to all of Monkey Tennis for a bank holiday weekend, who are you doing it with? Listeners, let us know. Uh, moving on, we had a message from Cowick Hardlam on Instagram. And they write, hi guys, just discovered your podcast and it's getting me through a hellish demolition job I'm working on. It's very satisfying listening and has uh, stoked the AP fire. I did wonder at what point Gareth Cheeseman may come up. If you're not familiar, it's a Coogan's Run character who is self-obsessed, arrogant, uh, he's misogynist and like Alan, seemingly oblivious to how others see him. 
Also, he's a car slash motoring fan and almost sexually attracted to his own Ford Probe. It's an excellent watch and potentially a link to an AP origin story. Now, have we collectively, uh, how familiar are we with uh, Gareth Cheeseman? Fairly, but mostly just through one uh, <laughs> clip slash quote slash moment. I mean, I save it. I think I've only seen like, yeah, some very short clips on YouTube. And it, it definitely does feel like just from the look of how the character is dressed alone, he does feel a bit like a prototype Alan. So, uh, yeah, that might uh, warrant a bit of further investigation, perhaps. I think it might be interesting to take a look at that. Uh, just to follow on from that, Scotty N is also wondering about uh, covering other Coogan. Um, they write, your recent episode on the road to stratagem in which you briefly discussed Steve Coogan's other less successful characters made me curious about whether you had considered doing supplementary episodes on Coogan's other less successful shows based on these characters. Coogan's Run, The Parole Officer, Saxondale, can't think of any others. Given your general response to them in the live shows, I suspect that, much like my own thoughts, with some exceptions, they could perhaps be generally summed up with something along the lines of some good bits, but not as good as Alan. But if you felt you could get a few episodes out of your thoughts on them, I'd certainly be interested to hear them. I mean, the only one out of those that I would potentially be interested in talking about would be an ep or two on Saxondale, maybe an episode on series one, an episode on series two. Um, seeing as I haven't actually, I think I'm the only one who hasn't seen that. And the general, uh, the general group consensus is that it's very good. Broad agreement. Uh, speaking of which, Jamie Atkinson got in touch saying, nice having you touch on some of Steve's other comedy characters, albeit mostly negatively. Uh, Saxondale, <laughs> Saxondale still has a cult following with Baby Cow, including clips of the show on their YouTube page to strong fan reception. But the others have faded into time, particularly the Carves, who got fairly regular TV specials in the 90s. It's only visible in hindsight, but Saxondale feels like a bridge between classic Partridge and Gibbons-era Partridge, given its more low-key feel and Steve being paired with the younger sidekick, which he said was inspired by Fletcher and Godber from Cop Porridge among other factors, but that show is an ensemble piece, including Ruth Jones, and the character doesn't work as well away from his world, although few characters do, which is why Partridge is such a strong character as he works in multiple formats. I agree, Jamie. I think after Partridge, Saxondale is probably my favourite of Coogan's creations. Um, I think it's it's not the sort of show that gets repeated very often. I, I think you can find it on streaming services. I think it's on Apple TV at the moment, bizarrely. You'd thought it was a sort of BritBox mainstay. Um, but I think oh, is it not on BritBox? I don't know, but I, I think it was added i think it was you can get it via apple tv i don't know if you have to pay extra but basically it's one of those that is, it's not very accessible it's not repeated very often um, and i think it deserves a fair shake so if we were ever to cover you know coogan's other stuff i think that saxondale would be a good place to start um, and i agree with you it is it is a bridge between classic partridge and gibbon zero partridge it's still quite laugh out loud funny but it's got some of that subtlety to it and uh, the rest of my thoughts i'll save in case we cover it for real and uh, in, in a very similar vein, uh, Connor Heaney also got in touch uh, writing, Hi chaps, I wonder whether you may consider doing a one-off episode on the two series of Saxondale. It has been commented on a few occasions recently that the show has a number of similarities in tone to Gibbons era Partridge, released during a period when Coogan was seemingly taking an extended break from playing Alan. This may make for an interesting conversation, similar to your recent analysis of The Witchfinder, and in my opinion, would be great to hear some coverage of this hidden gem. Well, Connor, as we've just discussed, it sounds like, you know, we're interested in a uh, taking a look at that i mean part of the problem is that uh coogan and the gibbons <laughs> keep on making more partridge stuff so that basically never ends um and as we're discussing the only thing with saxondale is it's not that accessible if only there was some way we could find to watch it 
Fortunately for us, Jonathan Hollis got in touch, writing, Hey fellas, just listened to the pod where you mentioned you couldn't find episodes of Saxondale. I'm happy to inform you that they are available to watch on the streaming platform Dailymotion. The adverts are a pain, but the full episodes are available. So there we go, we can make it happen. Um, if we wanted to go down the more legitimate route, I did check uh, justwatch.com, uh, which is a great service to find out where certain uh, film and TV is, is streaming. And it is available on Amazon uh, Prime Video, but only to purchase, not to stream. So what I would just say, uh, say to that is um, ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis. Thank you. Just had to say that. <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. We've actually had more correspondence on us covering other shows. Uh, first up from Naomi Woodford. Uh, she writes, Hi, my Twitterless boyfriend wanted me to say that as an avid fan of Partridge of 25 years, five years, thank you for the superb podcast series. Could you do an analysis of Roland Riveron's set of six? Easy for me to say, um, which he says is a precursor to the Partridge style. It doesn't seem to get the accolades uh, that it deserves. Had anyone heard of this before reading this feedback document? No. no. I mean, no, I've no, heard of Roland Riveron, but not that yeah. show. So yeah, I'd, I had to Google it. And... Yeah, so I guess we'll have, to, we'll have to do a bit of research, a bit of digging into that, I think. Leave mm-hmm. it with us, Naomi, and your Twitterless uh, boyfriend. Brian Watson next says, would love you to do something uh, similar with Zapped from Baby Cow. It's from AP director slash producer Dave Lambert and includes Steve Coogan in two episodes, as well as Sally Phillips, Tim Key, Felicity Montague, um, and... Paul K is fabulous as Howell. Um, again, are we familiar with Zapped? What's the what's the consensus? Have we seen it? Yes. No, more, I'm not. More familiar with it, but haven't seen it. Largely, I remember it, it was given a very strong... I think it, it, it aired on Dave originally. It was given a very strong promo push. Um, I think it was also one of those shows when Dave had just started moving into developing their own original programming. And so they gave it a very hefty promo push, but I have to admit, never actually caught it, would be interested. And I think the, the general threshold, you, you'll notice the only time we've ever strayed outside Partridge is to cover the Witchfinder. The general threshold is, is there enough 
Is there enough of an essence of Partridge, a whiff of Partridge about these other projects? Are there enough cast members in common? You know, is there is the material similar enough? Um, and are we interested? Do we, you know, do we enjoy it? I think that's that's really that's what determines whether we step outside of Partridge world or not. So what you're yeah. saying is uh, you want a poll to work out uh, which uh, series we should tackle next. That's what the people want. So um, I'll have to... Well, Nick, as head of polls, if you can set that up and make it happen, then, then go for it. I will say there is, there are, hmm, there are two shows that I really do think are... I, I'm basically surprised that no one's actually got in touch asking if we'll cover them. And there are two shows that have not been mentioned so far in this, this uh, list of feedback that I think should definitely be on our list. Uh, I'm going to say them out loud to see if anybody can, uh, can, can work it out. A cryptic tease Ooh, from I, Thomas I, Dark there. I, I, I don't know what it is. Can you put it in the group chat? Go on, mate. I think the last thing that went in the group chat was you needing a poo, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I dropped something in the group chat about Joanna Lumley's plastic Ah, games. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> thank God, thank God for that. And lastly, uh, we've had a note from Ken Reaney, uh, who writes, you guys must uh, watch Silent Hours on Netflix. It's basically Swallow, but with graphic sex. Oh, interested. Ken? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, rebuilding a boat uh, rather than jigsaws. Um, so, yeah, I will I will add to list. Uh, great tip. Thanks, Ken. Um, Is that Ken- in reference to the graphic sex? <laughs> Talking oh, about his great tip. Well, yeah, either rebuilding a boat or graphic sex. Uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch both. <laughs> one of them is one of them is going to be made into a Channel Four show. One of them isn't. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to covering more accidental partridge. Callum Edwards uh, got in touch saying, "Morning, Susan. Uh, firstly, boys, can I say a lot of fun? Yeah, can I say a huge and genuine heartfelt thanks to you all for the comedy and the laughs over the last two years? I first came across your podcast in the initial phase of lockdown number one, when all my freelance work disappeared and Bojo allowed us out for one piece of exercise each day. And I spent many happy hours wandering around Glasgow and escaping from the monotonous nature of lockdown life with the monkey tennis in my ears. Trust the freedom of the medium. Thanks very much, Callum. Appreciate that. He also says, uh, I would love to hear the hosts and producer Jed highlight some of their favourite occurrences mm. of accidental partridge in real life. There's obviously been a few famous ones that have appeared over the years, e.g. Michael Barrymore and Remission, but I feel like you chaps will have a keen eye for such events of a more obscure nature. This is obviously a huge subject, but perhaps if someone has a dictaphone, you could earmark this as an idea for a future segment or even episode. Must be properly policed, must not turn into an all-night Richard Madeley fest. <laughs> Finally, please enjoy this photo I took at the recent Stratagen event in Glasgow, where someone turned up wearing a shower curtain and shower cap. Unsure, <laughs> if, unsure if they drove here in their bare feet, Glasgow and Dundee are apparently next door, according to most of the UK population, but I would like to publicly describe this and the show as lovely stuff. So uh, we'll share this photo on the social media of somebody wandering the audience in Stratagem dressed as a shitty zombie. Uh, and yes, I think we'll uh, we'll have a we'll have a good think in our blocks that you're threatening to knock off about uh, our favourite accidental partridges. Um, obviously, there is a Twitter account dedicated to these things for the lazy as well. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of tidbits of, of accidental AP out there for us to discover. I think the thing about accidental partridge is it's it is like so broad because it can kind of be spotted and picked up like anywhere, and sometimes it, I think is a little bit subjective as well whether things are truly partridgean in nature, as it were. Um, you know, because there's always there's always an ongoing debate about you know Richard Madeley and how much of it is accidental, how much of it is deliberate. Like, does he does he know exactly what he's doing? Um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one, but I think it's almost difficult to harness that into a podcast episode, if you know what I mean. Um, 
but it's definitely something we should have have a bit, bit of a think about because you know that is one of the big i guess cultural legacies of partridge as a character if it's not too grand a term is that things uh things like accidental partridge you know that's very much that's a bit of a shorthand for a certain type of thing that people spot and you know that's kind of very much in the lexicon uh of kind of like british comedy fans and stuff and like in social media so it's definitely a really interesting topic but i just i wonder how effectively that could become a podcast episode um i was also going to ask you guys the guy dressed as a shitty zombie at stratagem uh when you guys were at the ot show uh what was the level of dressing up like um what was kind of like the best outfit that you saw was was there a lot of that going on uh, you saw a few, didn't you, Adam? Yeah, I saw a handful. We did cover this in the episode, which I'm sure you've listened to. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I have, was, but it uh, was three months ago, and for some reason, I've been very busy since then. <laughs> That's uh, can't there, remember why. Yeah. There was there are quite a few people with um, travel tavern name tags um, and that sort of thing. Uh, I didn't see anybody in our section that was particularly dressed. Yeah, up. overall, I think token gestures. Yeah, ge- generally speaking, few and far between. I would say there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount of, of dressing up, and I would imagine part yeah. of that is because. Most people were over 40 uh, and had moved on from that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, limited. I, I, do, I do love this photo, though, as well. I love the fact you've just got seldom on the screen there. It feels quite oh, there's it's a bit a of a dramatic picture. heft to that. Yeah, it's a great It's picture. really good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on now into a very uh, thorny issue, which is uh, the debate over iPartridge and whether it's a better uh, medium as a book or uh, as an audio book. And in particular, how the uh, the playlist of iPartridge uh, comes into this. So uh, we talked about this on our recent uh, feedback episodes. And uh, Scotty N has been in touch wading into this debate. Um, Scotty writes, In one of your more recent feedback episodes, the subject of the playlist in the printed version of iPartridge came up, which you didn't seem that impressed by. This got my attention as I've recently revisited both versions. And when reading the book, made a point of listening to it with the songs cued at the appropriate points. I can't argue that the audiobook will always have the advantage due to actually hearing him, Partridge, but it turns out that when playing the soundtrack at the appropriate cues, there actually are some clever and subtle jokes hidden there, many of which revolve around Alan completely failing to understand the songs he's queued up. A personal favourite. At one point, Alan uses Tusk by fractious soft rock cocaine enthusiast Fleetwood Mac, a song about a disintegrating relationship ruined by mistrust and infidelity written when the band itself was completely falling apart due to those very things. This song would actually be both musically, lyrically and contextually perfect if it was used for the chapter where Alan is investigating Carol's infidelity. Only Alan has used it when he's describing the tube journey he undertook to get to his first job interview at the BBC, demonstrating that he's clearly only heard and understood the lyrics, just tell me that you want me, and then only on the most superficial level. Also, Alan doesn't time many of the songs very efficiently, and either expects the reader to start a different song playing before a previous one is finished, or have them run on too long and start to overlap with events he's recounting when they are even less appropriate. He presumably expects the reader to just sort of fade them out when needed without actually indicating when they should be. Another favourite, Alan also uses the theme from Harry's Game by Clanad at a couple of points. This song, and the TV show it's a theme to, is about mourning the senseless tragedy and seemingly unbreakable cycles of violence in the Northern Ireland Troubles. Alan uses it as a leitmotif for a tree. (laughs) Presumably the sole reason... Uh, is that it also sounds a little bit like something by Enya. In short, I think you're wrong. The book soundtrack is great. Bye. I mean, look, first of all, that is a really, really well-written email making some fantastic points. Um, 
I have to say, like personally, I haven't actually read or listened uh, to iPartridge and tried including the soundtrack cues when, when they're there. So it does sound like that definitely adds a, uh, a really strong layer of humour. Um, although I, I would say simply reading the song suggested and their naffness or inappropriateness has been funny enough. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's such a good argument, but I still think I'm not convinced that reading the book and playing the soundtrack is a better experience than listening to the whole audiobook because it's read by Alan. I still think that's what clinches it for me, but I'm intrigued to perhaps try iPartridge playing the music as as instructed. What do you guys think? It's quite an undertaking, for one, to sync everything, and I'm, I'm happy to hear it uh, summarised like that than have to do it all myself, so I'll stick with the audiobook personally. Well, Nick, we can save you a little bit of hassle. I mean, uh, you've clearly forgotten, but uh, when we covered iPartridge uh, a few years ago now, we actually did make a playlist which uh, contains all the mandatory listening. So, um, you know, that that has minimised some of the effort. You don't need to go and search for those tracks. We've already done that. I had indeed forgotten that we'd made that playlist. Uh, Of course I had. Uh, But perhaps we can share that on the socials because I'm sure all of our listeners had also forgotten as well. So we can share that and we'll do the heavy lifting so you don't have to. Right, moving on to some real-life Nomad. And um, we had a message in from Sammy who said, just finished the Nomad set of episodes and it's got me thinking, has anyone walked in the footsteps of the Partridge? Um, Well, we did have some insight from uh, Dean Tonner, and apologies, Dean, I think you wrote this some time ago, uh, who writes, uh, Hi guys, just stumbled across uh, Alden Partridge, who was born in Norwich in the state of Vermont, USA, in 1755. He was known for going on very long walks. Uh, I wonder if Coogan was aware of him. Uh, we had a response from Jude Potter, uh, who replied to Dean, saying, I just stumbled across him in Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods and thought the same thing. Uh, did you ever find out? Um, it, it transpires we didn't find out. However, that, <laughs> we, we didn't get there. Uh, however, great, <laughs> right, uh, great. Dean did write, yeah, I never got an answer. Seems like a bit of a coincidence. And I think this is something that might even have been on our Facebook page about two years ago. So, Dean, thanks for waiting. Uh, it did get me wondering, would any AP diehards attempt this? Um, has anyone that listens to the show been part of any kind of similar expedition? Um, Tom, I believe you've been to Dungeness, so you've, you've yeah. sort of done it. Sort of. I mean, I probably got about as close to uh, the power station as Alan did, I'd imagine, uh, but I didn't have a a carrier bag on my foot. Uh, And of course, I have uh, made a kind of accidental pottery pilgrimage to uh, Norwich as well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to hear from any listeners that have uh, perhaps done done similar but um yeah or just set the challenge perhaps somebody could do the nomad walk whilst listening to all of monkey tennis that would probably work four and a half day four and a half days to do it is that doable don't know we do not know um so we've previously spoken about alan partridge related band names and uh, we've had some people messaging with some suggestions so uh Peter Offermans uh, uh, sent these ones in. He said, Partridge-themed band names, take your pick. And his suggestions are Lynn's Dead Mum's Bed, uh, Single Hand Sue, uh, The Ericsson Batteries, Voodoo Canapé, and Saniflo 33. Uh, I think Saniflo 33 is my favourite out of those. Uh, actually, um, could you make that a Saniflo 333? That'd work, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> it's a movement. It's a bowel movement. So, lift. That is very good. <laughs> Uh, Liv Fleming uh, writes in saying, re-band names. I'd like to form a girl group named Minor Women's Whiplash. 
we'd have fame to rival Jet from Gladiators before a slow and sad decline. Rock Bottom would probably hit during a performance on the straight-to-video Eurovision Fun Contest. <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> and probably my favourite bit of feedback uh, in this episode comes from Adrian Bannister, who has actually made a whole uh, festival lineup poster where tickets are only £49, which I think would probably put a lot of people <laughs> off. Um, we'll share the lineup poster on the socials, uh, but uh, we'll just go through it a little bit here. So the festival festival is called Under a Pear Tree, uh, a music festival in association with Boots. And I think what would be a good idea is if there's, uh, if we go through the uh, each day uh, and each person takes a day and goes through the lineup. So Tom, do you want to kick us off with Friday? So your headline is on the Friday. First day of the festival, you've got TIP, that's 12-inch plate. Uh, And then from headliner down, you've got Pop Not Broth, The Rigid Stays, Gary Wilmot's Wedding Reception, uh, The Fat Envelope, Victorian Dogs, The Young Norfolk Butchers, and opening the festival on Friday, of course, Sprunt. Uh, Saturday promises to be a right feast for the ears and it's headlined by (laughs) Five Bedroom Bastard House. Uh, In support, you've got Inception, The Deaf Offenders, uh, love that, Uh, M62, tribute band to M83, very good, Uh, Buckaroo, that sound like they actually could be a band, Uh, This Country, and uh, Pete and Bernie's Philosophical Steakhouse and opening is The Bitter Bastards, again, very good. Rounding off under a pear tree festival, Sunday's lineup is headlined by Superficial Damage, followed by the Upset Zombies, Never Mind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex People, <laughs> Lovely Stuff with an exclamation mark, The Corby Trouser Press Experience, Subhuman Scum, Inner City Sumo, and Convoy. That's really um, good. I think my fate right. Yeah, that's very good. I think my favourite thing about this lineup poster is that the headliner for Friday, 12 inch plate. Uh, Adrian has used the logo for uh, Nine Inch Nails and adapted it to 12-inch plate, which I think is a lovely little yep. touch. So, uh, yeah, see you there, Under a Pear Tree 2023. Let's go. Hey, a three-day festival for under 50 quid. I'm there. <laughs> uh, and next up we have uh, Michael Brennan, who uh, says that Steve Coogan was on the Kate Bush uh, documentary that was recently on BBC Two, uh, professing his love uh for the artist and clips of his live show with the Kate Bush medley uh, obviously this makes sense given the times he has uh, used Kate Bush's music or referenced her in the APU uh, the other thing that I like about this is that Brendan Hooper commented on this post from Michael Brennan saying are you related to Martin Brennan <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and lastly, uh, for me in this section, Simon Barcroft, uh, thanks for sending this in, Simon, sent in a uh, YouTube video of a song, which is a, well, it's a dance track and it's called Bastard House, um, which I quite liked. Should we just drop a little clip of that in now? My favourite my favorite subgenre of house music. 
Five bedroom bastard house music. Um, so yeah, thank you so much to everybody that's got in touch with us. We are about to end this episode, as is traditional with our feedback episodes, with a rundown of bank holiday, what you're doing, and who was with you. But first off, we just want to say thanks so much to everyone who got in touch. If you've never been in touch, or maybe you're just itching to get back in touch, then uh, you can do so on Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at the Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod, email the Partridge Pod at gmail.com, drop us a voice note on WhatsApp 07923600017. Obviously, follow and subscribe us if you use overcast why not star us tell a friend share an episode have a toby carvery um and finally if you uh, do really enjoy what you're hearing for free we hasten to add then you can drop us uh, the price of a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis uh, and make us feel all warm inside probably name you in a future episode as well okay all that remains is to uh, reel through your bank holiday suggestions take it away mr nick Holder. Ian kicks us off by saying, I spent it with my girlfriend. She only lives two miles away, so we drove up and down the A329M for an hour to get the engine oil properly warmed up, which prevents moisture <laughs> damage. After that, we played Mermaid and Dolphin trapped in a trawler net. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> Joe Solly says he'll be visiting Burton on the Water with the great Paul Danan. Carl Davenport says, I'm off to Go Ape with Annika Rice. Uh, unclear if that's the uh, Go Ape the <laughs> noun or Go Ape the verb. <laughs> uh, Scott McDermott says, I'm off potholing with the Crankies. And afterwards, we're going for a roast haggis dinner in our broth. Patrick Baines writes, rock pooling with the lovely Sue Barker. Marino Bertie wants to go to Alton Towers, followed by a roast tofu dinner with Billy Eyelash. Matt Andrew says, I'm visiting the royal town of Sutton Coldfield as part of my Prince Andrew memorial tour, taking in the sights and sounds of the company of Neil Buchanan, who insists on bringing the head with him at all times, even though the plaster work has begun to perish. John Adams is going dogging with Dan Walker. Nick Wells is off for a hike in the Yorkshire Dales with Helen Skelton, followed by crusty cheese and onion cobs and enough directors for rosy cheeks. Shippy is going axe-throwing with Robbie Earl. Robert Rothwell, 82, says, Antiquing with Jeff Capes. Careful with the crockery, big fella. Then Dobby's <laughs> for lunch. Thomas Wright is going clay pigeon shooting, followed by beef paste sandwiches with Carol Thatcher. Bye. Jamie Atkins going up the M6 in the wrong direction while driving a tank with Rebecca Ferguson. But which Rebecca Ferguson? We do not know. Harwin123 uh, is going antique shopping with Nick Cave in Hastings, followed by a chippy tea on the beach with a couple of pints of the brown stuff to wash it down and a paddle in the sea. Backpack Digital is uh, having toasted tea cakes in front of Lord of the Rings with Lucy Worsley. Cold Wilderness says a visit to Longleat Safari Park with Nick Knowles, followed by a slap-up pub lunch. Nick will have had too much to drink and finish a day by beating up a dad with his family in the <laughs> pub car park. <laughs> Plot uh, one on him, Nolsey! <laughs> <laughs> Murray Kerr, watching Coldplay with a Snow Patrol jacket on. We are mortal as scorch! Thumbs up, thumbs up, says take Mel from Mel and Sue to see the Marble Arch Mound and then have a chili con carne at a local pub. Lovely. Uh, Marge underscore in Algians says art gallery with Neil Buchanan followed by a pedalo on the serpentine. Bye. Dal Still says a lovely walk along the beach at Leon Sea with the lovely Philippa Forrester, ending at South End where we play in the arcades. I'll generously give her a £5 worth of credit to spend on any machine she wishes. <laughs> any spare change I'll have, I'll happily get changed into TPs. We'll do our best to win a keyring or an eraser on the TP machines <laughs> as a reminder of our lovely day out. Forrester will be expected to pay for her own drinks and donuts. Uh, Andrew Davis erecting a greenhouse with Diddy David Hamilton for lunch, a hot egg. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jamie Atkinson, skydiving off the Empire State Building with Ray Mears. Adrian Bavister says, a lovely afternoon with Jay Middlemiss attending the launch of Alan Titchmarsh's <laughs> new energy drink. <laughs> uh, Mark Santrian, Cornish Tin Museum with Timmy Mallet. Despite his dress sense, he has a way with the working class. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom Ray is off to the Sea Life Centre with Mick Hucknall. Then we're stopping off at the garage for a Ginsters and to post off his driving licence for renewal. <laughs> Carlos Blanc, I'd spend the day at a forklift truck theme park with Peter Duncan. Graham Wood says, I'm going to be seeing Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet at Archery. I'm a grade three at the moment. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to get my grade four there this weekend. Francis Jackson is doing an online finger painting class with Neil Buchanan in the virtual world. <laughs> Matt Strong simply writes, fish cakes, dump. <laughs> Chris Mann watching the entire collection of James Bond. I don't think these last two have got the convection of how this works, have they? <laughs> Adam Keeble meeting up with Sean Connery, Legoland, then a lovely lamb lunch in the centre of Windsor. Mm, that's original. Um, Sean Corrigan says, I'm going around the M25 both clockwise and counterclockwise. It's one of the great British drives. Sparky Rich says, I'm having a liquid lunch with a Lyndon Lusardi lookalike. Adam Dre putting together a lazy Susan with Jeremy Kyle. Bye. Zach Kyle says, the hamster, Richard Hammond, to those who aren't friends with him, and I will be doing a tour of all B roads ending in the number eight in his gorgeous MG. I'm bringing the glove compartment snacks and some spare driving gloves in case Mr. May pops over for a spin. Sam Tilson says, we took the kids' Ikea, had meatballs and dying cake, then just bought a mirror and some individual lasagna dishes. James Coughlin says, eggs benedict at the Hanley Farm Shop with Eddie Large, brackets, deceased. <laughs> Rue McAllister, uh, walking around Beamish with Ayrton Senna. <laughs> Shane Varley, Shrewsbury Steam Rally with Gary Wilmot. Andy Vittles, I'm spending my bank holiday making synthetic furballs for ceramic cats. <laughs> Andy McGrillen, organising a barn dance at Yeovil Aerodrome with Jet from Gladiators. She is pushing for an all-night rave, but I'm not having it. Stuart Filmer, sod all with nobody. <laughs> Gareth Bundy, I'll be plotting the downfall of the capitalist system and the rise of full state communism with Jeremy Corbyn at the Camden Garden Centre. <laughs> uh, Emmett Lynch, going to Longstanton Spice Museum with Ball Bosborn. That's supposed to be Paul. I don't know. <laughs> Who's Bull? Bull? Uh, Bull Bosborn. Mark Walker, Owl Sanctuary, followed by a buffet, and then some classic intercourse. Doesn't say with who, though, yeah. usually. Is it with an owl? Uh, Dean Connor foraging with Bruce Dickinson in Thetford Forest, then off for lunch at the Red Lion, a.k.a. it's Spoons. <laughs> Mark Ride, off to the local football where I, where I commentate on the games and call the raffle. I'm a bit of a big deal at Poulton Rovers. Mike Hoban says monkey tennis with Chris Eubank followed by mince and onions with Gary Wilmot before a bond fest with Sue Cook. Sue Cook cancelled. Do you fancy a pint? No? Okay, bye. Louise Young. I'm playing squash with Anne Diamond, although she's a bit of a bad loser. And finally, Dave Atherton <laughs> ends with simply nothing, no one. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Thanks so much for all your bank holiday suggestions and for all of your feedback. Uh, we're done tackling it for the time being, but do get in touch and I'm sure we'll be uh, coming back around to it next series. Uh, join us though next week when we start to tackle Alan's own podcast. They've given him a second series, you shits. It's from the Oast House Series 2, dissected by us right here on Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Until then, thanks and goodbye. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Dan! Monkey tennis? Love pierced my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. 
Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmonds is a total wazzard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. I said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.